0: Welcome to my sermon archives. For more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, visit www.pastordavidwenz.com That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I pray God speaks to you as you listen. We are continuing our series. This is the 12th of 15 weeks looking at pictures of the church in the Bible. We've looked at a lot of them. And today we're looking at the church as a flock of sheep. So let's say our memory verse together, it's probably one that you already know, although I'm going to give it to you in perhaps a different translation than you know it. So repeat after me. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I I have all that I need. Psalm 23, 1. Psalm 23, 1. 1. We are in a a rural area, and uh, uh, part of it is farming area, especially over uh, more towards where I live, over here in the Horn area. So let me ask, is there anybody here who ever raised sheep? Any of you ever re- raised sheep? I'm, I'm not hearing anything, even with the, the delay. So I know it's more horses and cattle around here. Let me tell you some things that I have learned about sheep. First, sheep are dumb. They're not just considered dumb in cattle country. I, I understand that pretty much even shepherds, everybody that works sheep, with sheep, considers sheep to be pretty much uh, the poster child for dumb animals. Uh, sheep get lost. Sheep get tangled up in brambles. Sheep fall in holes. They get stuck in rocks. They try to drink out of water that's moving too fast and they fall in. Uh, Sheep really need somebody to look after them. Second thing is, in spite of all of that, sheep are valuable. Sheep are the targets of thieves. There are, I don't know if they call them rustlers, but uh, people will try to steal sheep if they can. The third one is that uh, sheep have a lot of natural enemies. There are wolves. There are, uh, in America, they've got uh, coyotes and mountain lions uh, and bears. In uh, ancient Israel, I don't think they have lions there now, but they used to have lions and bears there that would go after sheep. And so the fourth point is that sheep are helpless. They have no way of protecting themselves. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They can't run fast. They don't have strong hoofs for kicking. They don't even have camouflage. And the last thing is that in spite of all of this, sometimes sheep are not the easiest things to get along with. They can fight and kick and bite our first reading was written by a shepherd. It was written by David, who became king of Israel, but started off as a shepherd boy. And we don't know whether he wrote it while he was still a shepherd or after he became king or in between times when he was uh, serving King Saul. But David knew what he was talking about when he wrote about sheep as uh, and he wrote about shepherds. In the first three verses of the 23rd Psalm, David speaks of God as his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And then he goes on and expands on that a little bit. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. A flock of sheep is helpless. As I mentioned before, individual sheep are pretty much helpless, but a flock is pretty much helpless in that it can't produce what it needs. A flock can't produce what it needs, and so a shepherd has to provide for them. A shepherd provides rest for them, leads them to where they need to go, and sometimes it's a hard work, but then he makes sure that that they get plenty of rest. A shepherd provides grass. The shepherd knows where the grass is after the sheep eat it down, because one of the things about sheep that cattle country people don't like is sheep will eat the grass all the way down to the nub, where it hardly grows back, and so the shepherd knows where the grass is growing, and uh, leads the sheep away to new grass before they can destroy the old pasture. Uh, Shepherd leads sheep to water, and uh, peaceful water, uh, water that is moving slowly in a way that sheep can safely get at it. Uh, And the shepherd provides sheep with peace. Uh, The the peaceful water, he leads me beside peaceful streams, sheep need some peace. They can't constantly be on edge and running and scared to death because uh, just like constant stress is bad for humans, it's bad for any other animal and shortens the life. And uh, Who knows? uh, Stress can make your hair fall out. I don't know if too much stress can make a sheep's wool fall out, but it wouldn't have much value after that. so, So the shepherd gives them peace. Uh, The shepherd renews their strength, which means it's the result of the rest and the grass and the water and the peace. And the shepherd gives guidance. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. A shepherd that led the sheep into danger and led them along a cliff where they all fell off, half of them fell off and died, that would not bring a whole lot of honor to that shepherd. He probably wouldn't be hired again. Nobody would sell him more sheep, but the Lord leads us along right paths that uh, bring honor to his name by the way that he leads the sheep. Then in verse four, David has been talking about God as his shepherd. Now in verse four, he speaks to God as a sheep speaking to his shepherd. He changes from the third person to the second person, from uh, he to you. So verse 4 says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, and of course the old King James says, uh, the valley of the shadow of death. I will not be afraid for you, he's speaking to the Lord, you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. When the shepherd is close to the sheep, the sheep feel safe and they're not afraid. If they can't see the shepherd, they get scared. But when the shepherd is there close by, close beside me, I will not be afraid. And one reason is because the, the shepherd has shown that he can protect and care for the, the sheep. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The rod it was a big, heavy thing, like a cudgel or a club that provided protection from wild animals. You re- may remember back in 1 Samuel 17, when uh, the lead-up, the run-up to the story of David and Goliath. Goliath has been boasting, and he's this huge giant, and, and uh, all of the army of Israel is scared to go out and face him. And David comes along the little brother of a couple of the soldiers and says, I can handle him. You all are letting this this pagan who doesn't even believe in God scare you all and you all have God on your side. And so David goes to King Saul and says, let me fight him. And, and Saul says, but you're just a little kid. And verse starting in verse 34 of 1 Samuel 17, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. That's the rod in in Psalm 23. I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this. To both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The rod provides protection from wild animals and therefore comfort for the sheep. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour There's that lion again. But if the Lord is our shepherd, then he's got that club that can deal with that lion. And if we're near him, we don't need to be afraid. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The staff is the other one, the one that you typically see in the pictures of the shepherd, the, the crook, it's the long one with the 90 degree curve at the end that uh, can, can go out and uh, when a sheep gets stuck, this is the one, if you remember the old uh, in program on TV, if anybody was old enough for that, they would, somebody would start out and they would be doing a really poor job and somebody would stick this long crook out and grab them around the neck and haul them off stage. And that's what a uh, shepherd did with a sheep. When it got stuck in the brambles or someplace and the shepherd couldn't reach it uh, himself, he would stick this uh, staff out and hook around the, the neck or the leg or wherever was a safe place he could get hold of and pull the sheep back to safety. The staff could also be used to separate the sheep that started fighting, started biting and kicking each other. And so they bring comfort, the knowledge that the shepherd is there with his rod and staff to protect and rescue. Then in the last two verses of Psalm 23, David steps out of the sheep analogy and he speaks to God as a worshiper. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. You don't put oil on a sheep's head and it doesn't drink out of a cup. So we know that David is is now speaking as himself, but still uh, listing the kinds of things that God provides for his people as a shepherd provides for his sheep. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Honor and blessings and love and family and security God provides for his human flock just as a shepherd provides all the things that are needed for his sheep flock. In our second reading, in John 10, Jesus picks up the same kind of an analogy because it was still an agrarian society and a sheep raising society. So to understand what Jesus is saying in the second reading, it's helpful to know about a sheepfold. It was a walled enclosure uh, generally made out of stones because that's what they had lots of, like around here. You can just pick up rocks pretty much any place and they stacked them up into an enclosure and they left one opening and it was generally in a kind of a central area maybe up on the top of a hill where people could see it and several shepherds shared it. It was out in an area that a number of shepherds would uh, follow along with the uh, or would share to uh, to pasture their sheep kind of uh, open open pasture land kind of a situation. And they built this walled enclosure with one opening on the top. And the sheep would feed all the day. And then the shepherds would gather the sheep into the sheepfold at night. And they would take turns sleeping with one of them acting as gatekeeper overnight. And they had a gate and they closed the gate. And and uh, one was on call uh, in case somebody came in late uh, and needed to get a, a stray sheep into the, the uh, sheepfold, and the others would sleep. Then in the morning, they would, uh, the different shepherds would come into the sheepfold one at a time. The gatekeeper would open up the gate. The, sheep, uh, the shepherd would call his sheep, And sometimes he would call them by name and sometimes just come on sheep or he might have a special whistle or a special song or a special kind of a shout or a sound he would make. And the sheep would know, hey, that's my shepherd. And that that shepherd sheep would get up and follow their shepherd out into wherever he was going to take them. And then the next shepherd would come in and his flock would follow him out and then the next one, and so on. And that's how that works. So now, thinking about that, listen again to what Jesus said here. These first five verses of John 10. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber because the gatekeeper would not recognize him, would say, hey, you're not a shepherd, I'm not letting you in. So he would sneak over the wall, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper owns the gate for him, opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, And they follow him because they know his voice. If you saw the picture on the uh, church Facebook page that I put up on, I think, Friday morning, a picture of a shepherd. It's just a shepherd out in front, not even looking back, just walking along, and his whole gaggle of sheep or herd of sheep, whatever, flock, the whole flock of sheep is following him. And he doesn't need to be driving them and herding them and everything. They just follow him. Because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. If, so that's, that's the big sheep folds. But there were also the smaller folds, sometimes temporary ones, uh, in a smaller pasture area or a private area or someplace that was separated out. It was one flock and one shepherd, and these smaller folds had an opening, but they didn't have a physical gate that could be open and closed. And so the shepherd who was using that one would lead the sheep in. They would follow him in the gate. Then the shepherd would go uh, turn around and, and come to the opening And the shepherd would then lie down there in the opening and sleep across the opening. That would keep the sheep from going out. And so in that sense, the shepherd himself was the gate. And so now listen again as Jesus goes on speaking. Starting in verse 7, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. Now, when he says that, he's not talking about all the prophets and everybody that ever lived before him. There had been a number of false messiahs in the 50 or 100 years before Jesus that had raised up people with promises of overthrowing the Romans and so on. That's who he's talking about. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep, Jesus said, did not listen to them. You see, the the true shepherd leads with his voice. Thieves and robbers are strangers and the sheep won't follow them. They have to drive them with fear. And that's one way that you can know the true shepherd from a false shepherd. Are they using fear and manipulation or are they leading with love? Jesus goes on, verse nine, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Jesus is the gate. The narrow gate that he talked about. He said the, the, the way is wide that leads to destruction. The way is narrow that leads to salvation. Jesus is the gate. If you don't come in through him, you're in the wrong place. You went in the wrong door. You wind up in the wrong room. You're not safe. And a sheep that goes in to somebody else's sheepfold, a sheep that winds up in the wrong sheepfold, if it's unscrupulous shepherd, is liable to be stolen or eaten. Because if the the true shepherd finds that sheep in in that with this other flock, he's going to know it was stolen or he's going to claim it to come back. But if the unscrupulous shepherd uh, says, wow, this this, uh, sheep belongs to Jonathan and uh, I don't see anybody around, I'm hungry, I'm going to kill it and eat it and then nobody will know. They'll think a lion got it or something. If you go in the wrong gate, that's what's likely to happen to you. If you don't go in through Jesus. It goes on, verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give you, to give me, to give us, to give all of his followers, all who know his voice and follow him. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God doesn't want us just scraping along. God is not glorified by that kind of a thing. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now that doesn't mean worldly and material riches necessarily. A very poor person could have a rich and satisfying life. But my purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. But now Jesus goes on and expands on the dangers. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. If you know this life is only preparation for eternal life, then you're willing to sacrifice it for a good cause. A hired hand will run, verse 12, when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Wolves scatter the flock so they can pick off the sheep one by one. So there is, if there's any protection at all for a flock of sheep, it's in staying together. Jesus goes on the hired hand, runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. And so we need to pray for the Father's wisdom in calling and sending true shepherds. See, wolves don't just come, though, from the outside. Sometimes they come in sheep's clothing. Jesus talked about that in another place. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he said, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. And in Acts 20, when Paul is giving his farewell to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, he says, guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church purchased with His own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. And then Jesus, as he goes on, repeats himself for emphasis, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And he goes on, I have other sheep too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Those other sheep that he plans to bring together, he's speaking to the Jews and the other sheep are the Gentiles, the non-Jews, us. And he's saying there will be one flock with one shepherd. The same great mystery that we saw in the last couple of months Uh, as we went through the book of Ephesians that Paul was talking about. So what do we do with all of this? How is a church like a flock of sheep? A church has enemies. The devil uses false teachers. He uses con artists, hired hands only in it for the money. He uses internal division. A church needs guidance. It needs leaders who know how to hear from God. A church needs protection. Those that can recognize the false teachers and the con artists and deal with the division. The the way that you recognize the false teachers is through a knowledge of theology and church history. And you don't have to have somebody who is expert in that there every Sunday, but every church needs somebody who can oversee and make sure that false teaching is not making its way in. And a church needs discernment. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that every person, every Christian can pray for. And a church needs to multiply. One of the the truths of this analogy is that shepherds can't make more sheep. If a pastor is a shepherd, shepherds can't make more sheep. Only sheep can do that. The analogy does break down in that sheep can't become shepherds, but any Christian can, any Christian can be called to be a pastor or a church leader. The Methodist church started out, especially in America, but even in when it first started in England with circuit riders who were qualified preachers who traveled between churches, but sometimes they would only be there once a month or once every two months. And in between, the church is still met with qualified lay leaders carrying on in between. And as a matter of fact, I understand that's what Birchtree did for almost the whole last year. So it it still goes on. Africa, South America, underground churches today, perhaps more churches in the world are led by men and women without formal schooling, than those that are led with, by those who do have formal schooling. So sheep can't become shepherds, but any Christian can be called to be a pastor or to lead a church for a time or however long it's necessary. I want to go back over again the part that Jesus repeated for emphasis. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. So the question is, do you know Jesus well enough to recognize his voice and separate it out from all the other voices and follow it? And then the question is, do you follow it? Because that leads directly to the next question. Jesus said, I know my own sheep. Does he know you? Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Do you know the shepherd? Does the shepherd know you? Make sure that the Lord is your shepherd. There is always more to know about God. There's always room to know God more. We can always learn to better recognize God's voice. We can always learn to trust God more. And the more we do that, the more we can say our memory verse. And let's go over it again. Repeat after me. Psalm 23, 1. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I, the have is my shepherd. I have all that I have. Psalm 23:1 Psalm 23, 1. Psalm 23, 1. Arise, O God, arise, O God, to your resting place. Thank you for listening to this sermon. I pray it blessed you. Again, I'm Pastor David Wentz. And for more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, please visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. May God bless you as we do Christianity together. See you next time.